0: What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 270. 70. Wow.
1: wow. That's special.
0: Yeah, so... We are special. That's true. You guys <laughs> yeah. definitely are. I may get in just by the skin of my teeth, but we're all pretty <laughs> excited to be at episode 270. I'm Steve. I'm here with... Ron. And John. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, this is another week of our ongoing uh, ability to keep doing this on a pretty weekly basis
1: and, uh, Exciting, exciting business.
0: And today's a really exciting episode. That's a good word, Ronald, because today is anybody listening to the pod. If, if you've been checking it out over the last like month or so, we've been trying to do a lot of things and we've been fortunate enough to get access to see shows, some movies, you know, we got some in the coming down the pipe here in a couple weeks that, you know, people are saying, Hey, yeah, we want you to watch our stuff and review it on your podcast, which is really exciting. So we've, you know, been able to talk about shows like Lovecraft Country, like uh, Mm. like Pen15 or like Antebellum. And one of the shows that we're going to be talking about probably more next week when it actually comes out on Hulu is a new show called Monsterland. Um, Again, that comes out on the 2nd of October. Um, But in our efforts to see the show and be able to talk about it when it drops, we were very excited and more than willing Um, to jump at the opportunity to speak with one of the stars of one of the episodes of this anthology series. Um, He's actually in the premiere episode, the first episode of the series. um, But Jonathan Tucker. so Get out of here. Yeah, it happened. And we did it, and it went great. So earlier this week, we were able to get on the phone with him, all three of us. We talked to him for probably about 20 minutes or so. Um, And it it was really exciting. So if you've listened to the pod again, you know Ronald and I have talked about Kingdom a lot. We've even mentioned his name before talking about some of the horror remakes because he was in the Texas Chainsaw remake. Um, You know, what is that, 2005 or three or four, something like that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I know speaking for myself, I'm a huge fan of his. I love him and pretty much everything he's in, even if, you know, some of the movies he's been in or shows I haven't really loved. Um, But genuinely, I think he's such an underrated actor. And Kingdom is the one that we always talk about on the podcast is Jay Kleena. And we were able to mention it to him during this interview, um, because I I think we'd all regret it not doing that. So I'm glad we got the chance to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, how how exciting was this? Like, wasn't this like kind of surreal for us as a podcast? It's like a first that we all all three of us like talking to someone that we kind of all like.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, I don't think it gets any more interesting than an actor like him. That's so intense, so good at his job that we can kind of talk to and. There our ideas out about performance sort of thoughts about his stuff. It, it just felt kind of surreal, to be honest with you. Right. It was really cool.
0: He was a great guest. I mean, more than willing to, to talk about anything we wanted to talk about. He was very gracious with his time. And it was pretty exciting towards the end, too, because, like, you know, we were talking to him about Monsterland. We talked to him about a lot of the roles that we think of him in. And he also, you know, it's 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 not something that's come out yet, but he even mentioned a new show that he has coming out probably sometime next year, late this year, called Debris, which is going to be an NBC series, which is um, from the one of the producers of Fringe. And um seems like another cool kind of alien thriller type show on a network. So he even mentions that in the interview, which is really exciting to hear him mention that on his own during mm-hmm. one of our questions. So um i don't know if you guys have anything else you want to mention before we drop into this interview but um if you guys are good yeah we're good man that's it i'm excited
1: to let people hear yeah
0: take a listen this is our conversation uh movie schmovie speaking with jonathan tucker
2: how you doing
1: pretty good how you doing man
2: it is a thrill to be talking to you guys i feel like the luckiest person in the whole world and um <laughs> I got zero complaints, you know. It is true. I mean, guy, there's like you know, you start COVID really does put a lot of things, uh, makes a lot of things very clear. Um, you know, obviously like do you have your health or do you not? Um Yeah. Or or is there a private equity group that's like trying to take your house out from under you? Is like there are you know, is there like a landlord trying to kick you out? Do you have food you know, do you have food in your refrigerator? um you know it's like some real basic stuff here and we don't you know we don't we don't always think about it but boy man there's some people who you know mental illness alcoholism the domestic abuse like all this stuff is really is really nasty and if you don't have it in your life and it's not being exacerbated by covid um you got to just walk around feeling like you're the luckiest person on the face of the planet
1: right absolutely man that's a Great perspective that, that that you're aware of that. Yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, dude. I mean, even if I got COVID and I'm still alive, I'm talking to you. I don't know. You know, I, there's there's all these guys on social media now. There's a you know there's so much great stuff on social media, truly great like inspiring stuff. And then there's a there's so many downsides to it too. But one of the things I love is there's all these people who are like who are handicapped or disabled or Um, they've got real challenges in their life and they're like in the gym, you know, like lifting weights, they're, they're doing, you know, acrobatic work, they're doing backflips or or they're like doing like climbing mountains or taking these hikes or jogs. I don't know. I'm like, man, if these people can get out of the house or can self-motivate or, you know, like you can too. And there's all this information out there that's free. You don't have to have a dollar to go on YouTube um, to look something up or to Google something. And particularly, you know, cause I, I did this show kingdom and it's a very physical show. So people are always hitting me up like what's your workout regimen or what's your diet look like? And the thing is like, most people don't want to, most people don't want to do something. You know, they want the, like if you want to do something, it's basically available for you online and it frankly, and I can tell you this from personal experience, like it's hard to self motivate, man but but it is but like the information is out there it's free and if you want to do something about changing your life
1: like it is you can do it yeah now's the time now you mentioned you mentioned kingdom man uh we we have a confession man jay is one of our favorite characters (laughs) like legitimately and in quite some time he was he got to show a range of emotion that is just kind of uniquely intense and easy to love we're we're big fans of the show thank you
2: for saying that it's been very very gratifying um that it's been able that we can now point to netflix and as a place to be able to view it because for so long you know we worked so hard and people were unable to watch it um so it's uh you you, you never work to please people it's like the worst recipe for success Uh, it's a great recipe for for mediocrity or for failure but it's just nice to know that something resonates from time to time and it's um you know that story and those characters were really important to us um and to me and they don't just affect the people playing them you know there's a lot of people whose lives go into putting a story like that together in terms of a crew but also the families of those crews you know my wife had to live with a with a fucking maniac for, for four (laughs) years. So, um, you know, and my, you know, my in-laws and my parents and, uh, my neighbors. So, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're all in this leaky boat together, which is an important thing to remember. Like nothing is just us. And, um, and we gotta, and we gotta take care of each other. But yeah, it's, it's very, very nice that people have responded to the show and have a place to watch it. Well, you mentioned
3: your wife being kind of driven crazy. Uh, you play some pretty extreme characters. Is that something you take home with you or, I mean, do you kind of live in a character for a bit while you're, while you're making something?
2: Yeah, I think you do. I think, I think if you're really committed um, to something, it's hard to, it's hard to like just bifurcate something. Um, I don't really, I'm not really sure that it's possible, but you, you, you know, you're not going to, this idea of like somehow, are you a care, are you a, a method actor or not? I mean, you know, I played like the head of the Confederate army in Westworld. I'm not like going to craft service and looking at, looking at like a black guy and saying, you know, something inappropriate. That's just not, um, you know, there, you have to be, you have to be, um, you have to understand that there the some of the character really has to stay um, in that world. Um, and, but, but part of it is going to transfer over, you know, uh, and maybe that's the physicality or maybe that's, some of like the eating or drinking habits. I mean, just like for me, I mean, uh, you know, I think all my characters who, who are, who do drink um, in a, in a role will end up taking on, like if I, you know, I was a beer guy for something, I'm a scotch guy for something else. I'm a vodka guy. And all of a sudden if I'm going to a bar, I find like I'm ordering those drinks a lot, but you, know, you, you, you need to, you need to be authentic to the character, but you know, you can't really, there's certain things that just are, are not appropriate to, um to move off of set.
3: That's interesting. I've always wondered about that. And I always think about that that method thing, like whether that's something, I mean, obviously it works for some people, but it does seem like there, you, there has to be a line. You hear about like, what was it, uh, Jared Leto uh, sending dead rats or something to, to people because he was living in the character of the Joker. That to me always seems like a step too far. But if it works for somebody, I guess it works.
2: I think there are steps. I think there are definitely steps too far. You know, racism, sexism, uh, you know, putting somebody, making somebody else feel uncomfortable um is never a, a, is never uh the right thing to do if, if it's not within the boundaries of like the work you know because there, there's a certain you you, you have to, the great thing about being free is when you know what the, the boundaries are right like that's when you can really play um that's when you can really soar and so if you're if, if somebody doesn't trust you or you're doing something that's offensive to to um that's it's clearly offensive, you can't be worried about offending somebody, but that's like, clearly offensive. Uh, and, and you have a, any sense of consciousness, um, you will, um, it'll, it'll hinder you from actually reaching the apex that you're hoping to with the character and, and within the narrative. Well, Let's talk
3: a little bit about your current project. Uh, Monster Land, uh, which is coming out October second. Um, <clears throat> I actually in a couple of days, I'm going to be talking to Nathan Ballingrad, the author of the book, uh, North American Lake Monsters, which the show is based on. Uh, and I mentioned to him that we would be talking to you for this show. And he said he didn't have any questions for you, but he wanted me to pass along. And I quote, he's fantastic in the show. He and Caitlin Deaver made the story beautiful. And I'm so grateful to him.
2: That's really very, very thrilling. You know, um, you're not looking to please people, but it's nice when you do, um, particularly when you're using his book. Uh, as the foundation from which you're building the character and telling the story, um, I, I I I had um, his book had kind of been bouncing around for a little bit, so I I was aware of it. Um, I hadn't read it. Um, I'm I, I sure I wish I had it earlier because I love his work now. Um, and the thing I think that's most admirable about him, and I think that speaks to really good writers. Are writers who um, aren't they're, they're not if they, if they don't have fear um, they don't have ego and if they don't have ego then what they allow is for an interpretation of their work um, and, and the ability to use the work as a leaping off point versus trying to execute their, their vision um, and we all have to kind of like give something up um, when we tell these stories um the people who don't want to give anything up are the ones who end up not doing great work all the time and oftentimes with an author um from and this is not from my own experience but from what i understand um there's a sense of holding on too tightly and what he did was he was so comfortable in his in his own talent and in the themes of the book and the characters that he built that he allowed everybody else to build on top of that and I, that's something that I think speaks volumes about him and and what is going to come for him in the future
1: so with your character there's this kind of silent intensity in between the lines um how how do you maintain that without saying any words I, I noticed that there's this consistent sort of intensity between all of your roles that but they're very unique you know you're very unique characters and all these things but the through line seems to be the intensity. How do, you, how do you maintain intensity even when you're not talking it? That's a gift.
2: Uh, you know, look, I think we all have stories to tell and life is intense, man. I mean, everybody has um, experiences, moments where focus and, um, you know, their own power has to come to the surface. When you're intellectually curious about people in the world and the stories that we're all sharing and telling, um, and the communication that we're all having, it's um, it's really kind of a thrill and a privilege to just be okay with being where you are. And um, I think with this character, the idea of really being observational was um, was exciting for me. You know, Jay Coolino was... It really gave me this ability to be even more excited about taking roles down and how far back can you lean in a performance um, before the audience leans so far forward that they say forget it because that's what you want to do you know you want to be you want this idea you want to be leaning backwards to invite the audience in to have the audience paint their own experiences on the work versus trying to execute you know get the ball over the net. It's like, you know, you have, you've already done the work. The, 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 the stroke will come. Trying to force the ball over the net might win you a few points here and there, but it's not going to win you the game, the championship.
0: Ronald just mentioned the characters that you've played through a lot of your different roles, but we were looking at your filmography and just kind of being familiar with a lot of the titles that you've been in. Something that we noticed was that, you know, you, you'd like to kind of get into the horror genre quite a bit. And, you know, for the past 17 or so years, like looking through you know whether it was a texas chainsaw remake the ruins even your your arc on hannibal the series what is it what is it about the horror genre itself and, and even with monsterland you know that that you kind of keep returning to it are
2: you a fan of the genre i think i'm a fan of like it's a great question i think i'm a fan of of the ride um the experience you know it's like getting onto a roller coaster and i think we all respond to um to that uh, visceral experience um, the, the jump the fright um, these like really high stakes the pacing um, and you know it's a safe environment to have a thrill like that and as we said at the top of this conversation you know man people are going through some challenging times and if you can if you can jump onto your couch or or, or sit in the theater um, in the future and go on a little a little roller coaster ride and see a little bit of humanity and take away a little something. I mean, that's a, it's, um, you know, it's, it's thr- a thrill to be a part of that.
0: Yeah. I think that, you know, one of the things that we were talking about preparing for this episode or for this interview rather, is just that like, you know, Ronald mentioned kingdom and Jay clean and like, we've kind of gone through some of your characters during this brief conversation, but it, it does seem like, you know, one of the big takeaways whenever we kind of talk about you as an actor or any of the titles that you've been in, it really does feel like, you know, the portrayals that you put on the screen. Um, and honestly, Jay Kalino, Ronald mentioned it. It's one of our favorite characters on TV, in movies, in anything. And I, and I hope with... I love you guys. And, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> I hope with the Netflix exposure, I hope those conversations are open. Maybe we'll see more of Jay one day. But um, I, I really do think that, you know, and we all agree on this, that you know, the takeaway from a lot of the projects that we watch that you've been involved in is a lot of those
2: performances that you put through. The commitment. Yeah, the commitment to the character. You know, look, man, we're all, we're, you know, we're all like we got one shot here, man. You know, we got one life yeah. and we all know how it's going to end. And if you're not going to commit to something, what what else are we doing here, man?
3: When, when we saw your name come up as a possibility for this, we all had... Those roles come to our minds, and I don't know. if I mean, hopefully, you'll take this as the compliment that it is. But you're you're one of those that guy actors. I love character actors. I love people who pop up in roles, and you're just happy to see how they bring their energy
2: to this thing. I love you saying that. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You know, it's hard to throw a strike. You know, it really is. Like you get up in the major leagues, you try to throw in a strike. You know, try to throw that ball in that little box, past past somebody who is um, who spent their whole life trying to trying to hit a fastball or how to try to hit a ball within that box. It's hard, right? So anyone who's doing that successfully, my hat's off to them, but I, I am trying to move that ball to touch the edge of that strike box as much as I possibly can. And if I can get a few umpires to, to allow a strike, even if it's right outside of that box, like that's the th- time it's exciting. I want to be able to push, push that strike box and, And work around the edges my whole life. There are certain things like people can't do. You know, I can't do everything. And there's a lot of actors out there who are, you know, the most incredible actors in the world who can't do everything. Meryl Streep can't do everything, right? De Niro, Bale can't do everything. But boy, you want to push? What else are we doing? I don't want to play the same character. Look at Matthew McConaughey. The guy threw strikes for fucking ten years, (laughs) fifteen years, and then all of a sudden he's like, you know, it's not all that interesting anymore. And he probably hit a rough patch. I don't know him personally, but then all of a sudden his work started getting really compelling. Sure, I mean, like you know, really compelling. So there's some actors who will never, you know, they never, they never want to push it further. Um, And I'm not gonna. It's not my place to judge anybody. I just want to live a life and have a career where I'm committing to the edges of that strike
1: box. That's, that's pretty amazing. So if you could, if you could sum it up, what do do you think these, these roles kind of say about you and your range as an actor? Like, you know, when you look back at, you know, the story arc that you had in Hannibal, which we're actually Baltimoreans to to let you know. I know it wasn't filmed in uh, Baltimore. I know it was filmed in Ontario, but we're baltimoreans baltimore's never looked more beautiful on film because they weren't filming in baltimore (laughs) (laughs) um but what do you what do you think your roles say about you as an actor um beyond the you know giving it your all
2: man i really just want to reflect i want to reflect worlds and people that haven't had um that opportunity i mean i think really with kingdom and what it excited me the most was that there hadn't been an authentic representation of the MMA world of the fight gym before on tv for this extended period of time and i want to find more stories like that and there's a lot more worlds like that um particularly you know communities that haven't that have a certain rap a certain reputation um you know baltimore is a great example because you know it's not just the wire there's a lot of other stories you know it's not it's a lot more than freddie gray um those are important stories to the fabric of baltimore um and they need to be addressed but there's all there's lots of different shades to every city Mm -hmm. and we should see those stories um shared um for the world to kind of be able to understand that people are are viewed from different angles and different sides and things are oftentimes um pretty beautiful and painful and complex and all of those sorts of things so um you know that's really what i want to start to to um i want to start to explore more as i as i get older and i know that like my career is is not short like i hope i die on set so (laughs) <laughs> I want to be able to, I'm okay doing, I'm doing an NBC show now. It's really fun. It's like sci-fi kind of Twilight Zone, Black Mirror, X-File. And it's really fun. It's got a great, great, great team behind it. And I'm comfortable, like excited to do this show for, um, for, uh, you know, a, a number of seasons because I think that these stories aren't going anywhere and, um, and we can, we can entertain people through lots of different sorts of genres um, and lots of different kinds of characters. And then we can also find the time to reflect certain communities and kinds of people in an authentic way that um, it gives uh, people an opportunity to really uh, to see the world in all of its color. That's great, man.
0: Yeah, I think, are you referring to debris? Yes. I guess mentioning that, I mean, what, what coming out, I'm not that we're even out of it, but kind of like where we are right now as a country and you and where you are in your industry, like for the rest of this year as things start to kind of get back in motion and, and your work on debris, like what, what else do you have coming out? What else do you have going on? I mean, we're happy to hear you're doing well in this time and that you are excited about what's coming, but tell us what, what you're excited for next. Like what else can we look forward to seeing you in
2: this, uh, Monsterland comes out the first week of October. And then, um, and then I am shooting this show until March and that'll come out in January. Oh Wow. wow. And that's, um, that's it. There's a, I had a very exciting opportunity to do it uh, when it with COVID that I think might come up after March and affect the case. Then um, I hope you guys will have me back and I can talk about that, but that's, um, that's where I am for now. And I, I feel, as I said, I feel like the luckiest person in the world to, um to be where I am and um, have two healthy children and a healthy wife and, you know, to be, to be even able to have you guys figure out a way to, to continue on your show using using technology like this that's awesome man
3: we thank you so much for your time today this has been a great conversation i feel like if we if we got too deep we could we could really put you off schedule so uh we're going to let you go but thank you so much i
2: appreciate it guys so much i really really do i'd love to come to baltimore and uh, and hang out there go to mama's on the half shell and plug some oyster shooters <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey man that's
2: a plan there you go we'll cheat you man all right hey god bless you guys thank you so much for having thanks me. Jonathan. Thank
1: you. take care thank you so much man
3: Get it! Yay! Yes.
1: Cute the applause sound.
3: Maybe How we should play it more it? cool, because people could be listening to this, like his publicist or yes. someone like that could be listening to this, and they'd be like, those guys handled themselves pretty well, but then if we if we uh, pat ourselves on the back too much, sure, maybe it seems like we're rookies at this. But you know, one thing, we, we've definitely talked a lot. Uh, about movies so the fact that we could bring in uh, not rookies uh, at that yes so bringing in a famous person into our ongoing conversation about movies is is maybe a little bit easier than than you might have thought
1: how crazy was it when we brought up baltimore he had mama's on the half he was ready like he was i'm going let's go let's go when i come through it's it's really cool man just felt like a more personal conversation than i would have ever expected it was it was really nice yeah, and He jumped
3: and, on the call with that vibe, you could tell. Yeah,
0: he was excited to talk to us, and, it, and we were just as, if, I mean, way more to talk to him. But,
3: <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really
0: exciting. I mean, because again, we've talked to other filmmakers, some regional, local filmmakers, like on the podcast we've had a couple people on um, as guests while we record it. But definitely, you know, it was really exciting for all of us to be able to participate in that. So, you know, thanks again to Jonathan and to the people at Hulu for making that happen. Um, and again, the series comes out, in full release next friday the second we'll probably do a podcast then talk a little bit more about the show uh Mm -hmm. but hopefully that kind of teased it a bit and uh if that sounds interesting check it out next friday on hulu again it's called monster land um cool so what else we got we got some we got some news that we've been chit-chatting about on our threads that we wanted to kind of jump into talk a little bit about um where do we start what do you think
3: well, let's just talk about all these dates okay. getting pushed back. I okay. guess particularly uh, Marvel slash Disney has, has you know, I guess been a little bit more realistic than they have been about when, when things yeah. should be scheduled to come out. Black Widow had a November 6th, I think, date until a couple of days ago when they yanked it and said next May, which is sensible, but it's also a year after that movie was meant to come out, and that movie always seemed a little bit like an epilogue or a side story anyway. I don't know. I'm a yeah. little bit curious how how the the demand for that movie is going to be i guess if people are going to be starved for these types of big movies and if if theaters are functioning in in may of 2021 then there you go then you're going to have a a pretty good audience for it but i don't know it just feels like a weird movie to wait that long for but if you notice every one of the movies they had next year kind of or the the next few movies they had kind of got pushed back right. about a year right
1: yeah the, w- the way that it's, it's cooking up right now, there's going to be four Marvel movies coming out in 2021, which is incredible. Also, three, four DC movies coming out in 2021. So it's going to be, if you don't like superheroes, <laughs> 2021 is not the year for you. You will be sorely pissed off. At how many superhero movies are coming out in twenty twenty. So
0: if you're that person, then twenty twenty was your year, is what you're Yeah, saying. And people complain was, about twenty twenty being such yeah. a shit year. Yeah. Uh, but then, who hate twenty twenty one. Yeah, you should actually be like, wait a <laughs> minute,
3: twenty twenty is a pretty good year.
0: Perspective, friends, perspective. <laughs> yeah. You know who hates superhero movies? Yeah. Who's that?
1: Supervillains. That's it. Yep. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's, That's true. Yeah. It's a nice way to fix that. I'm it excited though, man. <laughs> what do you think about the idea that for the rest of the year we're not going to see a Marvel movie? I mean, uh, it's 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 a little Well, we get WandaVision Yeah, the TV and series. I, and that looks like I'm it, super excited about that. I am that. too. It looks it looks legit yeah.
3: interesting and cool. I like that they're potentially doing something that you know, unique with these shows, particularly that one. It it, it looks looks like a good uh if this is, they've said this kind of kicks off the story for the next Doctor Strange movie. Right, um, yeah. And whatever that means, uh, that excites me because I like Doctor Strange. I like the idea of Sam Raimi's take, whenever that happens. I love the idea of that movie coming out and being a little more horror-tinged. And this show definitely has creepy overtones to the trailer, at least, that was released. of Sure. Of Vision. So I'm excited about that.
1: Yeah. Well, think about this. It, the good part is there's nothing else that will distract in the Marvel Universe no. from this. So, we have all our attention on this show, and it's going to be some connective tissue between this movie. I mean, between this show and whatever movie, or because supposedly there's a, a couple connective sort of things yeah. in it. Um, this is incredible because it's going to take all the attention off of everything pointed at this show. People are going to be excited about the idea of movie, uh, TV shows serving as story. In between these movies, I think it's actually a cool move. Mm-hmm. What does it mean for me as a moviegoer? Is like mm-hmm. poop, but yeah, I mean, but but what is, but what does it mean for
0: anything as a moviegoer? I mean, we, we talk about this on the podcast and you know in our Facebook thread, but it's like you know it's kind of crazy to me that Bond still has a date in November. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that seems like stubborn. I and I mean, and people yeah. are like people are like legitimately like uh, petitioning and like there's like things online like trying to get like you know, them to push this movie back, like responsibly and not make it some like stupid move like they did with Tenet. But Mm -hmm. I, I just feel like, you know, I think it's pretty clear that we're all kind of in the camp of like, it's not smart to go to a movie theater. Don't go to a movie theater right now. Just don't do it. Like, you know, it's pretty simple. I mean, and, and I, you know, something that I really enjoyed this week seeing is, is a lot of filmmakers, and celebrities actors people that are in the movies that are in these things that are being pushed back like speaking out you know i think it's important to hear that voice too because i think there's a lot about you know christopher nolan and as much as i enjoy him as a filmmaker i feel like the whole thing around tenant my own opinion was that that was very irresponsible and like filmmakers coming to his side and like urging people to go to theaters i i don't agree with that personally Mm -hmm. and you know this week you're reading about you know like reported like Jordan Peele being involved and in getting Candyman pushed back, you know, for the very same reason. And, you know, Kamal and like a lot of this actors in these Marvel films got pushed back, like kind of posting that it was their, that that's kind of was their opinion and their approach to this as well. And they're, you know, kind of relieved that they're not going to have to promote a movie to tell people to go see that they wouldn't go see themselves. Like that mm-hmm. just seems responsible. And right. um, it's just, you know, the idea of being a year without a Marvel movie, it sucks, you know. Like we love going to the movies. We love Marvel movies for the most part, or just
3: superhero movies in general. We kind of are fans of, but well, know. we like we like those big event movies. Yeah. And the Marvel movies right now, I think calling up superhero movies is almost is almost beside the point because it's the Marvel soap opera that we've gotten used to, like a new installment sure. every so often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this would have been a year that they they put the cap on kind of the old guard with Scarlett Johansson getting her, her movie, you know, and this also would have been the year that they introduced something brand new that I know barely anything about with the Eternals that has a great cast and just sounds like a a step forward in so many ways in terms of who's in front of the camera and who's behind the camera on a Marvel movie. And all that stuff's getting pushed back. And it just means, I mean, you know, we just watched, we just watched a bunch of them again, just over our, we took our beach trip and then, um, we watched a bunch on vacation and then we kept watching a few and we finally got to Endgame uh, the other night and we sat down as a family and watched Endgame. I mean, that's a that's a great movie and yeah. I don't know that I have seen it all the way through except for maybe the first time I saw it. Honestly, I think this may have been definitely at most the, thir- the third time I'd seen it and, um, you know... It it made me nostalgic, sort sure. of, for for a certain kind of, and it's like this movie doesn't feel like a movie could be this big again. Every time it cuts to somebody, it's like some well-established character played by some great actor, It's just firing all cylinders. Yeah, and damn those iconic moments when when uh, you know when Captain America uh, gets the hammer. Uh, I mean, and, and what's funny is Nikki was like, "Oh, I forgot about this," and I was like, "You f- you <laughs> forgot about this?" <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Whatever. No, we're it's still a good, it's a good point. I mean, marriage like, counseling—they do that remotely now, so we're gonna. That's good. Yeah, yeah. we yeah, encourage yeah, yeah. it. We encourage it. Reach out. It get
0: help if you need help.
3: But yeah, so it's <laughs> not about the Marvel brand so much as it for is sure. just that 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 was sort of a good brand, if you will, though for for a certain kind of family-friendly in a way, but also just a fun movie experience where everybody's talking about it. And it has been like I've enjoyed the time away from those types of movies, but after almost a year since I've seen a giant movie like that, I think. Uh, I'm kind of hankering for that experience. Sure. Uh, I also Agreed. watched a little bit of Fallout, uh, The Mission Impossible movie recently oh my and God. that got me all excited for going to a the movie theater. And I was actually by a theater playing Tenet the other day picking up food and I was like I've got a mask on, it's the middle of the after-. I almost I was like Shh. but I was like no, I, I you know, I want to take I want to stand by my code right now and not be part no, of the problem so. No. And I mean, I think you know, I don't mean to sound like
0: I'm judging people that are going to the theaters cuz I'm not intending to do that at all. I, you know, you have your reason if you feel comfortable, if you think you're doing the proper things to ensure your safety and the safety of others, like that's, you know, that's on you. I just think it's one of those things when you, when you think about what's happening and what needs to happen. I don't know that movies and movie going are, are need to do things. And I know that we need to find ways to do things we want to do in this new world that we're living in. I just don't know that that's like an ideal, you know, I just don't know that that's an ideal thing that you need to do uh, or that I especially need to do. And and that's coming from someone who like lives for going to the movies. Like I'll I'll go on a weeknight by myself and be the only person in a theater and that's like heaven to me. You know, yeah. it's like it's like a happy place. But um, you know, it's just it's a shitty it's a shitty situation. And I just feel I you know, and I mean the other side is you know, you feel for some of these exhibitors, you feel for the studios, the actors, these 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 artists, these filmmakers, these writers, these creators that just are kind of stifled right now and kind of just in a in a holding pattern with a lot of these things. You know, while production is going in certain areas of the country, of the world, um, you just you almost wonder, like, will will the venue even be ready for when these things are ready? You know, mm-hmm. for, and a lot of what you're seeing in the news, like announcements and production deals and things that you're seeing on all these sites that we follow. Eighty plus percent of these announcements are about online streaming platforms, you know, like yeah. every day you hear about some new thing that Netflix signed or bought at a festival or whatever, or Hulu, or Amazon, or Disney, or Apple, it's just like you can just feel that transition, and I mean, there's news today that AMC is trying to sell off some stock to, you know, cover cash debts, and it's just like, you get these feelings, like you don't know what the theatrical business will look like the further and further these movies get pushed off and pulled off of calendars, Mm -hmm. Um, and and that part of it's scary, because I do hope it it exists still, you know, when when we find um, our way through this, but it does, for me, as, you know, looking at a studio or a property that I really want to see, as much as I want to see it, I think it's responsible and a smart move, even even a smart financial move to do yeah. what they do. Yeah. It just seems yeah. like the right choice socially, ethically, financially, everything to me seems right about saying, you know what, we don't need to put these movies out right now. And while they're motivated by money, I know, um, we know, it also seems like I'm going to just think that they did it because it was the right thing to do.
1: Yeah, so. it's a it's an interesting time, man. It it feels like these moves are also political. I mean, it's I know that's every every move like this feels weird. I mean, I'm this is by no means the same, but um I made a decision pretty recently that I wouldn't do anything public, like any creative stand up, any anything like that. So it's been really hard to say no to friends, and I had a really rough conversation with a, a really good friend of mine about just not wanting to go out sure. and um, you know protecting my family and protecting my friends and right. yeah uh, and what it means for me, what it symbolizes for me, because if somebody sees me do it, if all Grumpy Pants is doing it, then it must be okay now. You're right. You're right. <laughs> right. And if you trust and if you trust your friends and you see them moving towards. Mm-hmm normality and it's not normality then you know people may shift towards that and I don't want to do that I don't I I wouldn't feel ethically okay with doing that and I don't I don't think anybody else should but look we're in a weird world right now
3: this is connected to the topic that we were going to get into about um, this last couple weeks there's been kind of a back-and-forth about what what are the results of these different approaches to getting these movies out right now whereas Tenet got a a theatrical release and then a worldwide release as well. It's done well around the world, or at least reasonably well around the world, not so great in theaters here, there was some there was some misreporting of, of how well I mean, the best movie we have maybe to compare it to as the home model would be Mulan, which came out on, on Disney Plus, which was you know, you're already paying for that, as we mentioned when we talked about this. And then it was a premium price on top of that, which was thirty bucks. So it's like when that reporting came out and I saw the number reported, I did not actually see what the source of that was, but it was reported that mm. that they Disney had seemed to make like two hundred and sixty million on just the you know, not theatrically, but just on the the streaming platform, that premium pricing at home. And that really seemed to be like, oh wow, maybe the idea of that you can have these these online blockbusters and the theatrical mm-hmm. model, at least in America, is not working so well. Well, the later numbers that came out were a little bit more sane. Um, I think, as you said, Steve, still pretty good for a home release to make 60 to $90 million, but nothing like the, the like grand statement it seemed to be as far as like that it's going to be viable for a company like Disney to sort of sacrifice these movies To the online model, if they think they can make two or three hundred or four or five hundred million in a theater release, so I think that that is probably why. That feels to me like it's got to be connected to the announcement to push all those Marvel movies back as far as they did, because it's like them acknowledging, okay, we can't, we we don't have this super successful way to make all this money that would maybe have them considering, you know, maybe Black Widow uh, comes to VOD quicker than it might have. Now it's just still part of that theatrical world that's where they think they can make the most money so hopefully they're right and like you said hopefully we're back in a normal place but how did that story make you feel it was kind of a roller coaster
0: I still don't know how to feel because I don't I don't know that there's really an answer still like you know these numbers seem to kind of be bouncing all over the place and I don't know that we'll actually know those numbers until like that we'll know them until like Disney's next call you know their earning call in November but like you know the fact that they moved those movies does make you feel like the number was not that that huge number that that Yahoo reported. But I think something to still take away from this, like I mentioned earlier when we were talking about it, is that the the key is is that, you know, this movie did not do great internationally so far and they were hoping it would do well in China for a number of reasons. And it's ultimately kind of backfired on them. Yeah, it did really poorly internationally. Yeah. Another number of reasons, like literally being boycotted and protested and we could talk about them in a moment, but just pure money wise, you know, the movie's not performing theatrically the way they hoped internationally at all. And I mean, that said it's, it's, I think it's like such a big point to keep in context that like, I think the article you sent me, John, was like talking about even like um, like Aladdin. And I want to say it was maybe Lion King or maybe Beauty and the Beast. Like they're estimating that if it makes like forty nine million in China, like that's what they're thinking. Like that's not great. But like Aladdin only made fifty eight, you know, so it's like some of these movies just do not translate to that Chinese market. But they were hoping to make it do that because of the movie, because of the casting, you know, because of the representation and some other things that were happening behind the scenes, which is a part of the controversy, but that all seems to have backfired. And I mean, whether that's only simply because of the property or because of the backlash or because of the, you know, COVID, I don't know, but ultimately the numbers game though still says, you know, even if they only made 90 million, I'm going to go. So go with a low end 60 million, if that's it, you know, that's equivalent to making 120 million in a bo- in a theater, so you know ballpark because it's usually a 50 50 take between most of these studios, maybe a little more for some than others. Right, right. That's kind right. of what it's they've all been using. Yeah. So like this is their own over the top service, and it's a hundred percent take. So I mean, the number is not as sexy as the big number, or even saying 120 million opening weekend. But I don't think Milan was ever going to make 120 million opening weekend in a the theater. I think it was only tracking at like mid to upper 80s back when they were still going to release it. So, I mean, like, that's all the perspective to keep. Um, It definitely hurts that those numbers were reported by Yahoo or what we were talking about, like that seven, whatever data company it was. Because I was like, holy shit, that number's right. This fucking, this is done. You know, like, this is over. Because that is just bonkers. Because you mentioned Black Widow. I don't think
1: Mulan... Was the blockbuster that they think it was? I I I agree with you. So this is what I think about. I think about the cultural zeitgeist, and 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 when you hear people talk about uh, Disney and the golden age of Disney movies, I'm not saying that it's a bad movie. I'm just saying you don't hear it quite as frequently. So that means a you're working with uh, a property that, that it isn't quite as popular in in the. The listings of the the golden age of the Disney movies. That's one thing. And then you're competing with it being tonally different than the original. Yeah. So if somebody somebody's coming in, yeah, if somebody's coming in from the Mulan golden era golden age of Disney and they're like, I want to see Mulan. I loved Mulan. There's no music, it's more serious. There's no wisecracking sidekick, which again- There's no I mean, wisecracking I, sidekick of any sort. It could have changed it.
3: I remembered really enjoying Eddie Murphy in Mulan. Am I wrong? I haven't seen that movie much in recent years, but I really liked that. I, I thought he was very funny the first time I saw it. So I don't know. It was before Donkey. It was kind of a pre-Donkey yeah, yeah. character for him, but he was funny.
1: Yeah. Um. The other point that I wanted to make about this whole thing, not necessarily being a complete failure, is think about this. We paid $30 for this movie to see it right up front, right? When it goes to free, which is December, right? Yeah, yeah. When it when it's free in December, people are gonna say, "Oh, it's free now. I'm getting over on Disney. I'm gonna get the subscription now." It's gonna kick in a little bit more when they say Mulan is free. The once thirty dollar film yep. is now free in December, so they could make some more money on the back end. I know it, it, it's Absolutely. like a long. It's it's a little bit of a long game, but I think that Disney is gonna come out winning. On some level. Better than they would have releasing it in theaters. I just think it's a little... I think December is really going to show, if they market it right, that this paid movie is now free and on Disney+. Plus. They're going to get a real crazy influx in, in subscriptions. And people will feel like they're yeah. benefiting from getting it. Plus, so, there'll be a I whole
3: new complete season of Mandalorian on the service that you can just watch. And
1: Mandalorian. Then. So they're going to dump Mandalorian and this free disney movie that was 30 dollars just a couple months ago and wandavision you're gonna feel like yeah, yeah and wandavision you're gonna th- feel like you're getting a serious bargain and a, the only marvel thing for the rest of the year right. on that service i think that i think that they're looking a little better than people think
0: to, to to circle back for a second what i wanted to say about the mention of black widow is that i almost feel like a movie like black widow coming out on disney plus would do Ooh. better than Mulan. Yeah. I think so, too. Uh, it would. I think that's, like... It'd be a better test. Yes, I agreed. Like, you're coming off of the biggest movie of all time, uh, Endgame. You have this window of, you know, like we've discussed, a lack of this epic blockbuster superhero, Marvel, whatever you want to deem it. Um, you know, they've had a lot of success with these live-action films. Some have been good, some have not, but they've all made a shitload of money, and um, that's why they're doing them, and I get it, and... Um, you know, we'll talk more about Mulan in a moment on the show as a review, but I just, yeah, going in, it's like I don't know that that was the real test, and I you gotta believe that they kind of felt like, if we're gonna lose on one, it's gonna be this. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, I've kind of had that feeling as we've gone through this whole COVID era and, like, experiencing certain movies on video on demand, some have been really good, but for the most part, I've gotten this, like, feeling of, like, there's a bit of a lack of something in some of these movies that they are providing on some of these platforms as premium video on demand or, you know, whatever to a streaming service, whatever it might be. Um, but I think that's something like Black Widow uh, for Disney. Um, you, you say Black Widow or Mulan, what's going to make most at the worldwide box office? Um, it's probably Black Widow, even though I don't think I'm super stoked on seeing that myself. But I think that property has earned The repeat business that they they put out a movie, you know, every year, every two every year, whatever it is. It will be interesting, though, like you mentioned, Ronald, earlier to see what kind of impact that that lull has in terms of people's, you know, excitement to see it. Like they're going to have their work cut out, you know, between now and next May to like keep reminding people like, yeah, like you want to see Black Widow, don't you? You know what I mean? So, right. It'll be really interesting to see how, I mean, it's just, it's all a big question mark, but the Milan thing to me, I mean, I just can't, and, you know, Disney will frame it as a success, a success, no matter what happens, but even not performing internationally, I just can't help but think this is a huge success. I mean, even if those numbers are accurate, you know, for, in terms of a week or a weekend, that's, that's, you know, the budget's big, the marketing's big, but like Ronald said, it's going to be on there for three months, making money, presumably and it's going to be taking shares of revenue from signups in December when it goes free. So like it's got back end money, ancillary,
3: ancillary income
0: for who knows how long.
3: Yeah. So what are those boycotts about? <clears throat> you mentioned that earlier. I, I don't know if I followed I mean, that.
0: I, I actually was trying to get in the know about it a lot more having since watched it this week, cause I wasn't super understanding of it, but I mean, basically from my understanding, part of it prior to the release was just how visible the lead actress was in supporting, I guess, the police actions mm. during protests in Hong Kong. Um, yeah. And that came under fire before the movie came out. But then when it came out, apparently there's something in the thanks of the movie, like where the Disney's thanking, um, what was it, the Zhejiang, uh government or public relations department or something like that. And this is a part of the country that is, I guess, you know, pretty... <laughs> basically has been criticized for basically mass genocide of a a certain group of people and apparently reports have come out that they shot in some parts of this area of the country and that they may have worked with different state departments and things like that and i mean that just is that doesn't sound good no and i actually thought the
3: scenery was some of the best part of this movie (laughs) so
0: right and i mean and i mean you those are those efforts that i mentioned earlier is like trying to work with the chinese government to like do certain things that may put it in favor to make money when it comes out in that territory. But it seems like it's come at the cost of some uh, morally and ethically uh, questionable decisions. That's rough, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's pretty wild. You know, if, if anybody... I, I actually just listened to this earlier today just to kind of understand more about it. But there's a... a I just want to recommend this as a, a different podcast. But, I mean, there's a podcast called... Um, I think it's called inside China, but basically it was put out. It's the whole episode is only like a half hour, but it's literally mm-hmm. about the whole end all be all controversy around the release of, uh of Milan and just kind of like internationally and just, you know, here, every, everything. It really was insightful. And like I definitely learned a lot listening to it. So if you're interested in that, I would definitely check that out because it kind of put it in perspective for me. And it definitely makes it a little hard to be like, but it's a movie, you know. Like it's it's those kinds of conversations that are yeah. just like, yeah. But I guess there weren't so many compromises that had to be made that you're possibly thanking yeah. and supporting um, a government that's just not doing good things.
3: Yeah. No. That that's really crazy. Was it her like her personal social media presence or something that she made comments?
0: Yeah. She she had basically like outed herself like I don't know a couple months ago on on. The equivalent of Twitter in China, I forget the name of the service they were talking about it on this podcast. QQ? Yeah, yeah. And and basically saying like, you know, you all can come at me and hate me, but like basically saying that like the force that the police were using with these protesters was like just, mm. and like, you know, that they should have done what they did. And Yikes. Yikes. Not a good look. Not a good look at all. I don't know enough about that situation, but that's a part of what the controversy is Um but man yeah not good. good
1: what did the two of you think of the movie mulan well i thought it was really well casted man i thought that um you know i i just i was fresh off of watching the original mulan i i didn't remember much about it it's one of those films that i i just hadn't seen in a while so uh tonally i i you know i wasn't expecting it to be exactly like the original but it was very different uh to be honest it was but it was a couple things it was beautiful well acted i love the action um if it, it was a fun film man like uh it, it but it also had some heaviness to it that i couldn't shake throughout it it, it just felt you know there was some like heaviness that 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 uh, was assigned to it that I just i didn't maybe i didn't think about so much in the original and and i guess it's it's set up to kind of challenge some of the ideas you know it's a it's a woman who has to act like a man basically to get into this military situation and fight and it makes you think about everything that's happening you know women's rights and things like that and they this this come it came it this context was a little heavier in this one and you i mean, like you mean it. coming liked, out at uh, the time that it's coming out right now yeah coming out at the time it's coming out also just in general i feel like the heavier subjects weren't tackled like that in disney stuff the way that it's it tends to seem that it does with the pixar era and all that stuff kind of coming into this i i liked it i thought i thought that it I mean, it could have posed some more questions, but I I thought it was a cool movie. I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was beautiful, and I probably want to see it again prior to this information.
3: About you, John, it almost reminded me of kind of the look and feel of like a Marvel movie. You know how some of the Marvel movies don't have a huge mm. style to them visually; they're just kind of, quote unquote, nice looking. Like this is brightly lit, and it's shot reasonably well, and it's like it's not artfully shot necessarily, but it's just kind of movie-ish looking do you know all what i'm talking about like it felt like yeah. a movie world in a way but yeah. once yeah, i got I past that just... that it wasn't going to be like going full kind of like historical film you know um i did sort of i enjoyed the actress which is now a strange thing to say i don't support her opinions i guess but um i don't know that i had thought about her opinions before this this topic that we just talked about but i thought she was good um I thought a lot of the cast was was interesting, not necessarily in terms of how they reminded me of the animated film, but just actors that I like to see uh, and, and uh, people I recognize. Um, yeah, it was okay. And, it, and again, I think that one thing it did that I, I don't remember from the animated version is it, in this, she's a bit of a superhuman and it kind of made the fight scenes that she was in a little bit weightless to me because it always seemed like she was gonna emerge. She seemed like she was the she was the baddest, the toughest, the the coolest every step of the way, which is which is a cool thing to see. But I feel like I remembered her being more sort of outmatched in a way in the first one. And that gave her character this this like incredible quality that I I just remember how hardworking she was in that animated movie. And in this she was a little bit more like the 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 hidden the, the person with the hidden mutant power or the person with the the Jedi gift and they just yeah. they're afraid to share yeah. it you know um, but furthermore and this is not really a knock on this movie more so than other movies but it is something to notice with this movie this movie is just shy of two hours long the story resolves about twenty minutes from the end and the next twenty minutes well with credits is probably you know between ten and fifteen minutes are just people telling her she's awesome and that they were wrong and that she's right. And like, there's a lot of scenes at the end of people (laughs) saying, you were right, (laughs) I was wrong. It's just so funny that like, you, it just felt like hero worship within the movie, you know, which again, I think, normally you get like two or three moments of that. And sometimes it feels good at the end of an adventure for people to say, um, we should have listened to you, you know, you're the hero. But it was just like scene after scene of everybody just saying that, that it got to be silly when I realized, wow, this movie has got 15 minutes left. And honestly, this is all we're doing. You remember how they people said Lord of the Rings, Return of the King kind of had two or three endings? Yeah, yeah. This kind of had two or three of the same beat at the end. So I ended it kind of laughing at the movie a little bit and being a little exhausted by it. Whereas prior to that, I think it had kept me engaged. I don't know, it just didn't quite reach the scale and scope of something that truly had like grandeur to me. But there were a few moments that were really cool. And like I said, the scenery is great. The, the acting's pretty darn good. Um, there's a phoenix effect that never looked like more than an effect to me. I, it never, I never quite bought into the reality of that phoenix. But I don't know if we were supposed to think it looked real or if we were supposed to think it looked like something out of like a vision or something. So, you know, not a bad movie at all. And definitely almost perfectly suited to watch at home and to not feel like I got ripped off. Um, but uh, definitely I feel like it's a wait for it unless you just are clamoring to see this. Because... Uh, I would say in my memory the animated version is is the superior version of this story but not having seen it in a long time maybe I'm maybe I'm just nostalgic for it no, you're definitely right I like Donnie Yen in this I thought Donnie Yen was good
1: I like Donnie Yen too and um, the villain um, who was Jason who uh, was Bruce Lee um, yeah Jason Scott. Scott. Dragon of yeah. Bruce Lee oh uh, yeah I liked him yeah he him, committed man. to it he committed to that villain he had a little too much makeup on his face but I, I feel like
3: he, he was kind of a grubby villain. Like I never felt like he was much of a threat to her. I mean, the, 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 their fight scene is cool, but it still seemed like when she unleashes on somebody, she they're, they're not going to stand a chance. Yeah. And that's kind of, the, yeah. kind of what happened throughout the whole movie. But um, did you guys
0: realize that the emperor was Jet Li? No,
3: not until I read the credits.
0: I mean, I, I mean, I knew it. Yeah. I knew it was him going into it, but like, and I cause only, because I read it, but like the, that, that like those few couple shots that he's in the movie, it's just like, you can't really tell at all. I don't know. I, I kind of felt like it just kind of felt very kind of generic to me. I I, I didn't dislike yeah. the movie, you know, uh, like wholeheartedly. But I mean, I, I really do genuinely love the Mulan animated movie quite a bit. And I think it's like really underrated of that time um, with some real bangers of the soundtrack, I got to say. Like, yeah. Um, So it was the weird to not... Is-
1: Good. So good. You're right. It's great. You're right. It's great. It's underrated soundtrack. Like I was listening to the, like, why don't, why don't I know all these songs? Like, right. I, I feel like these are, it's yeah. got some really solid,
0: like original music on the soundtrack. But,
1: and I think that's one of the things that
0: just kind of took me out of this a bit. Is just the decision to make it more of what it is and less of like some of these other Disney um, live action movies, um, you know, where music was such a big part of the property. And I mean, you know, but that's cool. I mean, it's something different. I think they were trying to make a different kind of movie um, than just the standard, you know, musical, throw it all at the wall and see what works. Um, Yeah, some of it looked great. Um, Some of it I don't think looked that great at all. I thought some of the effects were a little weak and kind of when you were trying to describe that Marvel aesthetic, John, like I, I kind of was thinking that it almost kind of looked more like like just I don't even know, like some of like like old green screeny uh sets at at times like it just it looked like you know like palettes behind them and not actual scenery like i don't know some of those things yeah. really kind of threw me um and and some of the fight sequences were i just felt like pretty non climactic like the the big fight you know and everything i think what you said was was it for me really is the mentioning like you know that she's like superhuman or whatever i think just taking mulan and making her a superhero which is like the through line of this podcast, it seems, is that, you know, everything ends up becoming a superhero. But I mean, I think that changes the whole story for me. And I mean, if, if even if, Jonathan if, Tucker is a
3: superhero. Right, right.
0: You know, if if that's you know, and admittedly I, I don't I'm not super versed in, in the source uh of the real Milan uh story. But um if that's what that was, then then cool. But I mean, basing it off of what they're like Ronald said, like what a lot of people associate the Milan film, you know, at least the musical uh, animated film that it's based on, um, I, I kind of felt like making her superhuman was 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 a little kind of weird to watch. Um, not because it's her, not because it's a woman, not because it's her character, but because of the stakes of the film. It just seems like, you know, you said like the villain didn't seem formidable at all. You know, um, <laughs> the only other formidable person in the movie really felt like the, like the witch character who, you know, I really like, you know, I, I actually quite like that character in that, in that actress, but, um,
3: that resolves in a very strange way.
0: Yeah. It's a very, it's a very odd resolution to that
3: character's arc too, to me, but I don't, I don't want to
0: say it without anybody seeing it,
3: but. I would say that she seems set up to become the true villain and he, and, and the villain right. seems like he's set up to be kind of a puppet villain, right. you know, Agreed. and when 100%. that never really manifests, what we get instead is not, dramatic it's kind of dramatically inert it just kind of yeah. fizzles um because yeah. that could be the one confrontation that you would have been interested to see and in fact 100%. in the middle of the movie when they do confront each other she and the right. witch there is this sense of like well when they rematch uh mulan's gonna it's, be it's, you know it's on yeah. ready
0: yeah um
3: yeah i don't know it's
0: just kind of like a middle of the road for me like in, especially in the in the if you know i'm looking at the disney remakes of the live action films and even for the event film that it is, it, it kind of was just okay for me. So I, I kind of agree that it's kind of like a, you know, wait for it, maybe wait till December, and grab it with your Disney plus subscription.
3: <laughs> yeah. Hop on in December, watch WandaVision, <laughs> watch The Mandalorian season two uh, and uh, watch, uh, watch Mulan. That's our advice to you. Um, the, the next movie we're going to talk about is one that's been out for a while, but I felt like we kind of needed to talk about it because it's kind of an interesting case study in a kind of movie that exists because of fans that exists because of a vocal fandom that's very, maybe small, but people, there was, there was enough. Uh, it reminds me of like Veronica Mars coming back with a crowdsourced right, movie right, or something. Right. It's just <clears throat> uh, a movie that, that exists for that reason. It's Bill and Ted Face the Music. And it is in some ways just a, uh, I mean, you feel it throughout the movie that almost everybody involved feels like this is so unlikely that this movie even exists after all this time, 30 years after the the last movie, which was Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, um, the sequel to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And it's part of this whole Keanu-sense thing that's been happening where people really appreciate him now. And then, it, like... Um, Millennials or Gen Z, I forget who, kind of claiming him, saying that Gen <laughs> X always knocked him. And and now after John Wick, everybody loves him, but that they always loved him. And I was going to say, like even when we were knocking how wooden he was in movies like uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's uh, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, um, we also still loved him from things like Bill and Ted and River's Edge. I think Keanu has always maintained a certain amount of goodwill throughout yeah, his career. Yeah, definitely. But the knock that he's kind of a wooden or a stiff... Or, or not great actor, in some movies he is miscast, and, and you know, him doing a British accent in like a period drama is not the best casting, but um, I'm sure he would admit that readily, too. And he does seem to have a sense of humor about that as he's aged into this new phase of his career. So I think this movie represents like coasting on that, too. like Bill and Ted Face the Music exists partially because uh, it's been this long, you can kind of crowdsource movies now, and Keanu Reeves is having a bit of a comeback. And also, Alex Winter is a, is a perfectly lovable guy who makes great documentaries, and um, you know seems to be seems to be the person you'd want him to be. Like he's been on the right side of uh, history as far as his Twitter feed is concerned, uh, in my opinion. So, um, you know, t- two two very huggable fellas that people were glad to see come back uh, and, and have a little fun. And this is a. A bit of silly fun, I guess at best. That's what you'd call it. What did you think, Ronald, of uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music?
1: Um, It feels like the first act that uh, Keanu Reeves' character was just very stiff, like uncomfortably so. Like an alien that had inhabited his body for a second. And then once the movie picks up, he starts to become a little more loose. And the movie gets a little more fun. Because the first, I'd say 15 minutes or... Challenging. I could not believe what I was watching. I'm like, this is gonna fail me, and then something happened around like the the end of the first act into the second act. It started to pick up, and I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. Like it felt like a movie from the 90s that I was watching in in 2020, in a, in the best way possible. The jokes. Some of the jokes were. Some of the ongoing jokes were really really funny. Um, I enjoyed the dynamic. I really like some of the different versions of them that they ran into. I thought that I thought that some of that was so fun and worked so well that it it just it made up for the first stiff twenty minutes or so. So I don't know i I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. What did you think, Steve?
0: I gotta say I loved it. um i I definitely acknowledge everything you guys are saying and agree for the most part that you know it did kind of get off to a bit of a. You know, it itself getting off to a slow start and also just like us adjusting to the fact that these guys are these characters, but they're this age and, you know, trying to act like maybe not so much this age or whatever. But um, there is a point where Keanu like does a gesture, like a like a total Ted gesture where you just you, you definitely sense it like click. And from there on, I felt like it was a lot easier to watch in terms of like their motions and the way they acted and talked and everything. So that while that's all true and you guys are on the money with those uh comments, I just like, you know, I wanted to see this movie for so long and I genuinely, you know, love the first two. I love Alex Winter, County Reeves always. Um I I don't know, man. It's such a positive, feel good movie. The uh the end credits song is really good too, which helps. And um it's just like a thing that I want to see win. Like it's a thing that that made that happened because of passion behind the fan base, and you know they can make this movie for under twenty million or twenty five million, whatever it ended up costing. Um, but I mean, like you know, this this is a movie that exists and, and was willed to be by the people behind it who genuinely love the property. And you know, you could, you look at Keanu in, in a moment where he is like arguably at you know, a a place in his career that he's never been, you know, a different place than maybe he was at the, you know, levels of the matrix or, or things like that. But, um, I just think it's like a, it's a kind of, it's like a proof of concept of like people wanting to see something happen, the people that are involved in it, willing to do it and just like, you know, pushing for it to happen. And I like seeing that happen, you know, especially things selfishly that I want to see happen. You know, I'm one of the people in one of those categories that I just mentioned, so you know i'm watching the movie you know smile on my face pretty much the whole time just as silly as it was and some of the jokes aren't funny some of them are really funny but in in all like it's just it's just a fucking fun movie and it's so positive and the message and you know it's just really nice to see you know in my opinion a movie come out you know decades after the last one that doesn't entirely suck which unfortunately is like The norm with most of these properties that come back, you know, decades later in terms of comedies that for the most part, most of them have been really bad. And um, I don't think. Yeah, I, I, I really liked it a lot. And. Yeah,
3: man. I was just really happy that it didn't suck. Well, it's loosey goosey. And every time when I was watching it, I was like, if I thought of something like that bumped me a little bit, Mm -hmm. I was I had this feeling like I was gearing up to kick a puppy or something. It's just like, no, you can't (laughs) like you can you could you could pick at certain things like Ronald was saying, you've sensed a certain getting used to these guys being their age and playing these kind of sketch characters. And there's almost like a comedy sketch level of commitment to the acting throughout this movie. But it gives it this I mean, you feel like people were having fun on set. You feel like people were goofing a little bit on set, maybe, especially in some of those different versions that we get. Um, but it's even part of the joke that, that Bill and Ted themselves are kind of weird guys who are, who are coming at a situation at a, at a different frequency than, than other people. And that's always been the joke. And so seeing them do it at this age, yeah, I mean, it took, took a minute to get into it. And honestly, the, the introduction of their daughters... I don't know if I ever quite felt like their daughter's performances move beyond that kind of sketchiness that I'm talking about, but it's such a charming plot element, the way the daughters are integrated into it and their relationships with their daughters. And sometimes in like a goofy comedy, like an, an SNL movie or something that's about a sketch character, you don't mind if it's a little bit shallow is a wrong word maybe, but it might be the word I'm looking for where it's like, you don't mind if it's a little bit more surface level because it is kind of coasting along and there is something so inclusive and even the things that you think, well, maybe this is kind of dumb. Like, maybe <laughs> like there's certain plot elements that feel like, well, they know that they're dumb. This is the point of the thing, you know, that these guys are going about things in a kind of dumb way. And that even though their daughters are kind of saving the day, they're kind of going about it. They've been sort of influenced by their dads. They're going about it in a slightly dopey way too. But the idea that... Maybe right now in America we don't quite think that like borderline incompetent people know the way and that we should let them lead. But this is sort of a romantic notion of people pulling together and and uh, and it, and they can't have planned that aspect of the movie. But it does arrive at a time when that hopefulness you're talking about, Steve. It feels very genuine and sincere. And yeah, this movie is cheesy as fuck and it has a lot of jokes that don't work, but it has a lot of them that do. Um, yeah. So, so I will say that like as much as. I kind of wondered, like, what is this at first? And is this tone even going to start to click? Once those things start to pile up, I'm reminded that that's the way the earlier movies were, too. They had some really clever concepts that play with the genre of the situation, but they're mixed in with, you know, not quite stoner comedy. These guys don't seem like stoners. These guys don't don't smoke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> These guys yeah. don't seem to do anything. Yeah, yeah. Except, like, hang out and want to rock and stuff. So, um, no, I don't know. I think that... Uh, uh, and they seem to be having so much fun too, you know. And know. there's a couple of like mm-hmm. line readings. I mean, most of the, I would say Keanu is maybe the star attraction here, but Alex Winter's got some, some super He's funny so good lines still. Yeah, it really yeah. is. And, and there's just, again, there's a tonal thing to that, that, that it is a little bit silly and it is a little bit like, this isn't method acting. This isn't, you know, but who the fuck cares? And there's one gag around this insecure robot character oh my that I thought was really funny. And there's a so- moment where Bill just kind of turns and sort of diffuses his whole narrative in one little sentence like, you know, we get it. We get your shtick, you know. Um, so funny. But throughout, I thought his character was, he was a, a true kind of a wild card element in the movie yeah. too that you didn't know quite how that was going to shake out yeah and i love uh, that even when there's a moment where he's in hell and everyone's kind of confused about a robot being in hell and like <laughs> there's even two like demons that are sort of puzzling over it as they walk by him like oh well, yeah i don't know it seems like there's a robot i don't know that doesn't <laughs> you know but that's the kind of like genre stuff that these movies have always done yeah. but point out the little silly thing that feels like i mean the the the, the writers have definitely done their homework in terms of sort of the stuff that they're commenting on. But yeah, um, yeah. no, like I said, it's silly fun. You can't really hate a movie like this. No, I agree. Someone's going to say they they will. Uh, You know, if you're out there listening and you hate it, prove me wrong, I guess. Let's hear your argument. But I I feel like you have to sort of come to this movie agreeing that it knows what it is. Uh, And it's not trying to be, you know, like a masterpiece. It's trying to hit that need you were talking about, Steve, of like people who have sort of longed for this and who've always felt like there was a little bit more story to tell. And it, also the angle that it takes towards the sort of mythology of these characters is an interesting one. Um, yeah. And it really does feel like at the end, it's it feels final to me. Like it doesn't feel like this is a beginning of something new. This feels like them putting something to bed um, right up to the last stinger. Did you see the stinger scene?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, I actually like... didn't see the stinger scene.
3: Oh, you gotta go back. You gotta go back.
1: Yeah, I'll go back, definitely.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely a recommendation for me. I, again, like, I'm a bit, yeah, biased with it because. That's the key, is that like you know it's a, it's a Bill and it, the movie's title is Bill and Ted something. So like I hope that the expectation is understood, like what you're going in to see. And, <laughs> is it you know, Bill it's and like, Ted movie? <laughs> yeah, it's just like this is a Bill and Ted movie, you know. So let's let let's look at it as such and say, yeah, it can still be well made. You know, there's questions about here, like special effects maybe aren't that great. But I mean, here's the here's the reality, you know, it's not like a big budget movie either. You know, when, that's good though too, because it doesn't have to make that up. And you know, it seems you to said have done 24 pretty twenty four million? Good. It's something like it's, I I saw twenty-four, I saw twenty-five, I saw one thing say like barely twenty. I don't it know what it actually that. was. That's true. It really yeah. stretches it. It like, really does. And um, yeah, so I I definitely I was super happy with it, and it definitely made me happy the night I watched it, which uh these days uh are is 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 welcome.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, man. Definitely oh, I, I want to see it again. I enjoyed it. Did you guys see anything else you want to mention before we wrap up, or anything that you caught up on?
1: Um, I did watch three things. Um, I watched the second half of We Are Who We Are. Um, thank you so much, HBO. Um, it wrapped itself up in a weird way. Um, it is a strange, strange show that gets vi- gradually more heavy as it goes on. Mm-hmm. But I-, I think it's worth watching. It's it's a Interesting slice of life thing about some kids trying to grow up uh, in this weird environment. And I didn't realize that it also took place um, the year Trump got elected. So that plays into some of the narrative of it as well. So it's, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, the other two things that I checked out, uh, Dead Pixels is a UK show based on a massive multiplayer online game uh that sh- this character is obsessed with um it is probably one of the funnier shows that i've seen in a while it's just silly fun about you know if you've ever played any video games in this era uh there's a lot of weirdness that comes with playing online and it captures that in a way that i just hadn't seen before the um the lead is this lady named Alexa Davies uh she plays the character Meg who is roommates with a character nikki played by will merritt uh just a solid show it's real funny real silly get you out of your head about stuff and has a bunch of filthy jokes at the same time (laughs) you said three shows oh yes cb cbs all access has a documentary called console wars that talks specifically about sega and nintendo it is one of the better documentaries that i've seen in a while they have executives from both Nintendo and Sega. I'd say this is a more Sega leaning documentary. But they do have both sides talking. It is fun and weird. And they use like 8 to 16 bit um, recreations of scenes. That they use to transition. Um, it's solid. It's a it's a really solid documentary. Seth Rogen produced it. Um, it. Which makes me feel like if this does well enough. That they'll do some sort of movie adaptation. It just has that. Sort of two Japanese companies who plop themselves in America to compete on uh, on the on American soil is so cool of an idea that I hope that someone captures that in in, in film form at some point. But yeah,
0: you said that was when what was that? CBS All Access?
1: C- CBS All Access. That sounds console true. wars that sounds it's yeah. really good man yeah, but, yeah I, I, produce i remember hearing about
0: seth rogan producing that i just yeah i didn't even know that that came out on a streaming platform i, I didn't man, even know it was
1: coming out you'll Definitely enjoy it. it yeah you'll, even if you're not even even if you didn't even play video games that's the remember- only that's the
0: only error that i did play video games okay so that's my reference point so I, I need to watch that
1: the outright slander that companies had for each other back then was so funny it was just like do you play nintendo this thing's crap it's like that was a commercial <laughs> and they'd have like fever dreams basically about how good sega was it was really weird air yeah. man it yeah. was
0: cool. um i wanted to just mention one thing that i watched uh on netflix if anybody you know if this sounds interesting it's out now it's uh, a doc called the social dilemma Mm-hmm. Um, oh yes yes I've I'd seen a couple account. people posting about it and um it definitely seemed like something I was interested in it's it's basically just a it's like a short doc it's only I think maybe an hour long but um it's got some of the no I take that back it's an hour and a half um it's kind of mixing in docu- it's a documentary but they kind of have like some actors that you'll recognize um kind of reenacting scenarios that these uh, technology and, you know, people that are from the industry, Silicon Valley, former employees of Apple, Google, Facebook, any major that you can think of when you think of modern technology, kind of just like kind of walking through these scenarios that these people are talking about. But basically it's just talking about ethical technology and like what social media is doing with data collection and what it means. And, um, you know, the role that technology plays in the world today. Um, how it's felt and what it looks like for the future. It's a really scary documentary. And I mean, as someone who has kind of teetered on the line of possibly like removing myself from social media, like Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that, um, it's it's definitely something that really makes you think about it if you've ever thought about that. And if you're just kind of interested to learn more about it, it's um, a, lot of, a lot of talking heads, but a lot of information that is coming from valuable sources. Like, you know, these are people that were in on the front of, you know, the start of Facebook and Twitter and Google and, you know, people that developed the like button on Facebook that, you know, at the moment was intended to spread positivity, but now is contributing to depression among teens. You know, all these social impacts that these little small developments um, in technology have had on the world that we live in today and, you know, what it could look like if it goes unchecked in the future. And obviously, there's tons of stuff in there about Facebook and their you know specifically facebook you know basically is the devil apparently and i've you know i'm like this close <laughs> i'm this close man to 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 getting off of there but um i don't know it's a, it was a really well made documentary i mean i was super interested in it uh and definitely recommend checking it out um you know if you're interested in learning about that i mean um you know with an election coming up and you know, um, the world that we live in now, uh, technology is a kind of the connective tissue, unfortunately, to what a lot of people are using to stay connected to whoever or whatever they consider a part of their daily lives. So, um, you know, the way social media impacts that is interesting and it's a little scary, in my opinion. But a really well-made documentary, um, If, if any, I don't know if anybody's ever seen like Chasing Ice or Chasing Coral documentaries that this uh, filmmaker made a couple years ago. Um, I think through National Geographic, but definitely kind of an issues driven documentary filmmaker. Um, but really good social dilemma. It's uh, it's on Netflix now. So I'd recommend checking that out too. Cool.
3: Anything, John? Uh, I, I watched love fraud. Uh, so oh, I'm, cool. I'm cool. caught up on that. And I, I, I feel like, like a lot of, uh, uh, you know, docu series or true crime docu series. It didn't need to be as long as it was. Um, and i do think that the interstitial animations at times were a, were like a, a bit much for what the story was doing you know the the but i, w- I was pretty compelled especially in the early going the, the, as the people wronged by this this fellow this con man in this docu series as they start to amass and there comes like a a revenge club kind of thing going on i really loved that i loved the sort of bounty hunter lady that that was kind of the ringleader of them. That stuff was fun to watch. And, th- and they definitely milked that. And I would say by the end of it, that too was like, okay, they got as much as they could out of that concept. But in the end, he just seemed like a mentally ill person. And I don't know at the end of the series if it quite seemed like it warranted the, the sort of drawn out storytelling that got us to that point. But along the way, there's some really compelling personalities that you meet and some situations that kick in that are that are interesting to see. So uh, it's a really well-made over overly <laughs> made show a lot of a lot of window dressing in terms of how it was put together. I don't know what the other option would be in terms of what you put up in terms of visuals, but those animations they were sometimes I don't know what it was about them that just kind of it just and also there's lots of shots of people just sitting in a room like as though they're getting ready to do their interview and they're just kind of staring. They would put through those shots in a lot, and I always thought that I always think find that kind of weird uh, when the person who's being shot seems like. I don't know. There were just some... Do uh, you know the shots I'm talking about? Like, throughout, there was yeah. just a shot of someone sitting there, kind of looking into the camera or looking off, and those those felt kind of awkward to me. But, um, yeah, it, especially early on, it's a pretty interesting... Like, the personality type of this con man, this guy that, we're, that this is about, interesting personality type to delve into, and especially through the people that he has screwed over. Um, a- after that, it really did seem like episode... Between, like, episode two and three, I was a little bit less invested and then it it picks up again like a lot of these shows do when it comes to the end they actually kind of hold off some of the story elements for the for the last episode so so good good but not great love fraud, cool that's all well like i said earlier
0: next week we'll talk a little bit more about monster land which comes out on uh hulu on the 2nd
3: of october and and hey if since jonathan tucker was on this episode i just want to say any other, if you're one of our favorite character actors and you're out there listening, give us a call. We'd love to have you on yeah. Please. Movie Shmovie. That'd be really Open door.
0: Cool. Open yeah. door. The answer is yes. <laughs> come on. We'll have you. Um, yeah, cool. Well, that's going to wrap it up. Episode 270. Again, thank you to Jonathan Tucker for coming on Movie Shmovie. It was great talking to you, and we hope to have you come back again. Uh, you know, he kind of mentioned that, and I mean, I hope he meant it because we're going after you, so yeah, yeah um, it's going to happen.
3: That can't just be something he says, right? I mean, no, nobody no just way. Says that. Yeah, I'm sure he'll throw so. it
1: around. I don't know. Man. I don't think so. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't if I didn't want to come back. I don't know yeah. why somebody would do it. Well, do Ronald, it. Steve, yeah. let's do this again.
0: There's an idea. Yeah, maybe next week. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe
1: maybe okay. next week. Yeah. Cool. Cool.
0: Cool. It. Well, moviesmovie.com is the site. Uh, Facebook.com/slash/moviesmovie, and um, for any of you, Amazon music podcast people's out there movies movies on amazon podcast now so if you didn't know now you do and um, if you happen to be one of the people using that as your primary podcast source you're welcome
3: what's wrong with you um, that's true i mean maybe maybe yeah <laughs>
0: john's thoughts do not mirror no. that of movies movies amazon if you're this. listening don't listen to him
3: i'm not trying to get the evil empire mad at um, us
0: but yeah so that that's cool it's another new place to find us it's cool that they've started to roll out podcasts so if you if you know you are an amazon person head chunky, whatever they whatever they're called um (laughs) we're there too we're we're, we're there now as well yeah Yeah, that's Um, cool or everywhere you look if you subscribe leave a review leave a rating share us on your favorite social media site even though i won't be there probably within a week um that would be appreciated um And yeah, I guess we'll see you next week. And as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.